Welcome to the first ever episode of Sagawine. I'm so excited and nervous at the same time to be talking to you all because I've never done this before, but um, I will try my best. Before we dive into the content for today, I would like to say a few words about the podcast and also introduce myself a little bit since I'll be your host. So Zagawine is a podcast dedicated to sharing unique perspectives and stories about Myanmar and we'll be exploring several topics ranging from art, society, history, and more. As your host, I will remain anonymous and will go by the initial J. The guests that will be featured on the podcast will also remain anonymous unless, of course, they consent to revealing their names. I hope you understand and respect our privacy and hope you share this podcast with your friends and family. So without further ado, let's dive right in. So since this is the first episode, I kind of wanted to be like a bit of an introduction, like an intro to Myanmar. <laughs> but I also want to touch upon the concept behind the two names, Burma and Myanmar. Um, so for any of our listeners who are not familiar with Myanmar, it's a country in Southeast Asia and we border India, Bangladesh, China, Thailand, and Laos. So hopefully that gives you a bit of a gives you a picture as to where we are on the map, if you know geography. Um, Myanmar is uh, very ethnically diverse. There are over 130 ethnic minority groups. So a lot of these groups, they have their own languages, their own cultures and traditions. And the majority ethnic group is the Burmese, also known as the Burmans or the Burma. Um, Myanmar is quite rich in terms of uh, natural resources. So there's lots of teak, jade, and rubies, but the country itself is quite poor. In fact, it actually used to be one of the most isolated countries in Southeast Asia. But around 2010, 2011, the country started to open up a little bit more. Um, But I'll talk a little bit more about that later. So these two terms, Myanmar and Burma, they're quite interchangeable, right? Uh, Because they're the same country. Actually, the term Burma is more commonly used in the Western countries, but Myanmar is um, more well-known in Asia. So these two names, although they refer to the same country, they have very different contexts. And I want to kind of talk about that. But I'll be citing a book. It's called The Hidden History of Burma, Race, Capitalism, and the Crisis of Democracy in the 21st Century. And it's written by a historian, Thanya U. So in his book, he talks about how in the old scriptures, the term Myanmar, M-Y-A-N-M-A, was found. And it was uh, to describe the people that were living near the Aorati River and also to describe their language. 
And then later, the Burmese kings started to call it Myanmar Nangan or Myanmar Pi, which literally translates to Myanmar country, Myanmar land. And it was also pronounced as Bama, B-A-M-A. When the British came to colonize, they renamed the country to Burma. Um, but when they left and the country gained independence, the military regime took over and they renamed the country to Myanmar. They added an R, so it's M-Y-A-N-M-A-R. Myanmar as we know it today. So they did that in 1989. Um, so yeah, that's basically kind of the gist of like the two names. Before I read this book and before I knew the meanings behind it, I was largely referring to the country as Myanmar because it just sounded more inclusive of other ethnic minorities. But also, I guess I was more inclined to use the term Myanmar because one, it's not a name that was given by the colonizers, but it also, I guess, sounded more inclusive to me. Um, But actually, the author of the book argues that the term Myanmar actually has nativist undertones, so it is not inclusive at all. And in fact, some ethnic minority groups would even say that the term Myanmar doesn't apply to them. Um, This could potentially be because some ethnic minority groups, they had a a fairly good relationship with the British. They, um, They felt like the British were protecting them from the Burmese, the majority ethnic group. But when the country gained independence and the British left, they left with empty promises. And that made these communi- the communities felt very betrayed because they fought alongside the British. They really, I guess, believed that they would give them what they wanted was self-determination and to govern their own territories. But obviously that was a different story after independence. So... There was just a lot of mistrust um, amongst the ethnic groups, um, especially the ethnic minorities and the Burmese community. And the military government wasn't very accommodating. But uh, yeah, they weren't very accommodating of these requests from the ethnic minority groups. And it's not just the military government, the civilian government that came to power later on. They weren't also very good at, you know, listening. Um, So there's still a lot of mistrust um, going on. Now, I'm not here to judge or dictate which term is more appropriate because in my opinion, they're both problematic. So it's just really up to you. But for um, my podcast, I will be using the term Myanmar consistently just to, I guess, avoid any confusion or just um, be consistent with the term. I do apologize if this offends anyone, but I just wanted to let you all know that um, I'll be using Myanmar instead of Burma. Yeah, so earlier I also mentioned that Myanmar is a Buddhist-majority country, and I would say Buddhism is highly influenced, and it's very much rooted in society, and it's quite patriarchal too, I would say. Um, But Myanmar is also known as the golden land because there are many pagodas actually made of real gold some of them 
Uh, the, the most well-known pagoda would be the Shiragon Pagoda. It's in Yangon, which is the former capital city. And it's probably one of the most peaceful places you'll ever visit. Earlier, I also mentioned that in 2010, 2011, the country started to open up a little bit. Um, and that was when the military rule started to kind of, they wanted to shift to civilian rule. So Myanmar is, has only known military rule for many decades until uh, 2010. They decided to kind of let go of that tight grip that they had. And they had an election. So the country had an election. The military proxy party won. Actually, the 2010 election was boycotted by several political parties because they believed that it wasn't free or fair. One of the parties that boycotted the election was the National League for Democracy, the NLD. It's um, the opposition of the military. It was founded by um, Joan San Suu Kyi and other politicians. I won't really go into detail about her just yet. Maybe in later episodes I will, but not for this episode. So yeah, in 2010, the country started seeing positive changes, economic changes. Um, and it was, it was, you know, things were going well. And then in 2015, there was another election. Actually, the 2015 election is known to be like the first free and fair elections because that was the time where a lot more political parties um, competed and also the international organizations came in to observe. And so it was, more, it was a bigger deal than the 2010 election. Um, the NLD won. And it was a big moment because that was like the first time that a civilian government was going to rule the country, like for the first time. And the atmosphere was very hopeful and exciting. And there were lots of expectations, you know, I think especially amongst young, young people, it just felt like there would be endless opportunities and things were looking up and, you know, it was an exciting time. In a very crucial moment as well. And then in November of 2020, there was another election and the NLD won a landslide, just like in 2015. But there were claims of voter fraud. And in February of 21st, what? No, February 1st of 2021, <laughs> the military took over the country and claiming it as a state of emergency. So ever since then, um, there's just been a lot of chaos and people are getting arrested and killed and villages are being burnt down and it's been crazy and the you know inflation is high. There's just a lot of uncertainty and fear and it's 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 hard to, you know, stay optimistic and hopeful. Actually when the coup first happened um, the, the early days of the coup or the early months people had so much confidence that this would all be over um, but I mean obviously that didn't happen for many many reasons and uh, yeah things have kind of slowly quiet down but in rural areas in remote areas that's a it's a very completely different story 
there's violence still going on. Yeah, so I just want to remind people that it's not over. <laughs> people are still suffering, and just be mindful of that. Yeah, and if you're a non-Burmese person and you have friends in Myanmar, reach out to them, give them hugs or virtual hugs because. Alright, that concludes the first episode, but before I end this, I would like to say one more thing. If you are aware of the situation in Myanmar and would like to help, you can go to isupportmyanmar.com and donate to a fundraiser if you're choosing. That's I-S-U-P-P-O-R-T-M-Y-A-N-M-A-R.com. That is all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. And I will see you the next time you tune in. Bye-bye.